Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I have a problem in my life, and if you know me, you may have watched it rise its head a few times. At least some of my staff probably has seen it. I've grown and I've matured and I've gotten better, but I have a problem with this thing called pride. It's, it's, it's a thing I have to deal with, and pride will raise its ugly head many different ways in all of our lives, but I have this thing with being competitive, and uh, years ago, uh, when our children were young, uh, Gina's twin, Lori, and, and Pastor Graham, her husband, they were living in the area, this is before they went to California to, to pastor, and our kids were really young. They came over the house one night, and all the kids were playing, uh, some in the basement, some in the other room, and we decided to play cards, and it was Graham and I against Gina and Lori, and, and here's the problem. Gina and Lori don't care. They, they don't care if they win. They don't care. They could care less about cards. Graham and I want to win, and so I'm trash-talking them, and I'm doing some great trash-talking, telling them, we're going to just destroy you. We're going to kill you, and, and uh, here's the thing. It's like Mr. Magoo playing cards. They they're killing us, and they're one hand away from beating us, but then the kids act up, and Gina and Lori have to go take care of that, and I grab the cards, and I look at Graham, and I say, hey, I'm going to fix the deck. We're going to beat them, and then we're going to trash them, and then I'll tell them what I did, and so if, if you don't know what that means, it means I knew who I was dealing to, and I fixed all the cards so we would get the better cards, and I didn't want it to be obvious, so I gave us great cards, them bad cards, so they come back and I deal, and wouldn't you know it that they're pulling cards that I didn't fix, and they ended up beating us? <laughs> it, it destroyed me. And, and uh, so then I told them what I did, and they became even more angry at me for doing that. But I, I have a problem with losing, and when my kids were little and I'd play board games, I, I, would, I would always beat them. And Gina would say, but he's four. And... Uh, <laughs> I say, I can't lose. If he, if he can beat me on his own, then I won't play him anymore. But, but I, I, can't, I can't lose. That's one way that pride raised its ugly head in my life. And I've had to deal with it in so many different ways. And we're going to talk about that today. Don't feed the wildlife. And we're talking about that wild thing in us called pride. And if you haven't been with us, I want to encourage you to catch up on the other messages. Um, the wildlife's referring to our bodies. You know, even when we accept Christ, he changes the real us, our spirit, but our bodies don't change, and we have what's called a sin nature, and there's all kind of gunk in there, and we're just going to talk about this one thing called pride today, and I'm going to do my best to help you understand how to starve it, because we can starve the wildlife that, that's inside of us, or we can feed it, so we, we want to learn how to starve it, and I thought this was something I'd want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. It goes like this. Pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Now think about any enemies you've ever had in your life. And the majority of us, our enemies have not been terrible enemies, right? I mean, we might have had some words with each other and, you know, nothing big. Some of you might have had some serious enemies. But all of us as Christians do have a really serious enemy. And he's called the devil. And he, he really hates us because God redeemed us. And as a nation, we have some enemies, right? Like ISIS and some different enemies. Uh, we understand what an enemy is. 
But, but as bad an enemy as the devil or Satan is, pride's even worse because those enemies are external. Pride's internal. Pride blinds us. And we walk over cliff after cliff in different areas of our life. And I've walked over quite a few cliffs because of pride. That's why I want you to walk out understanding pride is your greatest enemy. But guess who your greatest friend is? And all of us have great friends. Humility, because humility is internal. And humility releases God to raise us up and bless, bless the socks off of us. It's the most amazing thing ever. So I just want you to see the difference between the two as we walk through this today. And I feel it's impossible to understand the severity of pride unless we understand where pride came from. So I want to talk about what I call the birth of pride, pride's birth, and just help you understand it. I noticed in my life as a young Christian, I would read something in the New Testament, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Romans, all the way through Revelations, and God would say something, and, and, and I would understand it intellectually, but because I didn't understand its history, and I didn't understand the roots, which would, you'd learn from the, the Old Testament, I, I didn't understand it fully, and you and I really need to understand this thing called pride. On vacation, Gina and I, one day it was rainy, we decided to go to a movie, she said, what movie do you want to see? And I said, oh, I want to see Tarzan, the ape man. And she's like, really? And I said, oh, it's the only good movie on. That's, nothing else is good. She says, all right, I'll go with you. So we go to see Tarzan. And middle of the day, and there's two of us, Gina and I and another couple in the theater, and we're really far apart. So she was able to ask me questions and whisper. We're not one of those people that would talk and interrupt you in a movie, but the, the people were too far away they couldn't hear. So we're watching Tarzan. And Gina's asked me all these questions. Why this? Why that? Now, I understood this movie, which was, was a, a, a new version, a new story in the Tarzan series. But I understood it because when I was a junior high, high school kid, I read all 24 of Edgar Rice Burroughs' uh, Tarzan books, and I've read them five, six times each. And my favorite was Tarzan in the City of Gold. And so this was about Opar, and Gina's wondering, why does this king hate Tarzan? And I'm like here's why he hates him. Tarzan killed his mom or his son, and this happened and that happened. And, and I was able to give her a point of view. But I enjoyed that movie way more than her because I had the knowledge of the beginning of Tarzan, all the history of the stories. And it's that way with pride. It's that way with everything in the Bible. So I want to take you back. Think about this. God created all the angels, but he created three superior angels. They were archangels. One is Michael. Michael's called the general. He's the warring angel. He oversees all the armies of God, all the angel armies. And then he created Gabriel. Gabriel's called the messenger angel. He's the head of communication. He oversees all the angels that go back and forth with messages. And those, those two guys are tough cookies. And then he created another one, and his name was Lucifer. And Lucifer was created to lead worship in heaven. He was the worship leader of heaven. It's pretty cool. And the Bible says this in Ezekiel 28. I'm not going to read it, but Ezekiel 28 says this. God created Lucifer, and God said, he is my most perfect creation. He's the most beautiful thing I ever made. He's perfect in all his ways. And God just made him this magnificent creature. So Lucifer is leading worship. He knows He's really, really incredible. Every time he looks in a mirror, he winks at himself. I mean, <laughs> problems are beginning to happen with, with Lucifer. And, 
Then the Bible says this, because of his beauty, because of his perfection, because of his success and everything he put his hand to, iniquity was born in his heart and pride came to be born. Now when you understand how pride was born, it really makes you understand why the Bible talks so strongly about this thing called pride and why God doesn't want us to have anything to do with this thing called pride. Take a look at what happened. It's Isaiah 14, 13, and it says this, You, Lucifer, said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. Notice all the I wills. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, uh, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Here's, here's what he's getting to. I will make myself like the Most High. He's saying, I'm going to take God's place. I'm going to kick God out. I'm so beautiful, I'm so perfect, I don't need God. I'm going to take God's throne. And of course, we know the story, verse 15. But you are brought down to the realm of, de of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And it was not a battle. Michael took him and a third of the angels out real quick. But here's where you and I see the root of pride. This is the root of pride. Pride comes out as arrogance in so many ways. But here's the root. The root is, and none of us are going to try to rush heaven and take God's throne, but here's the root of pride. When we say to God, I'm going to run my own life. I don't need you. Or we read something in the Bible and we say, no, God, I don't, I don't want to do that in my life. It's when God is no longer on the throne of our life. That's the root of pride. And I'll, I'll show you how to starve it. It's real simple as we progress. But think about this story. Think about this story. That's why the Bible says God hates pride. It's obvious. I mean, his most perfect creation was lost because of this thing called pride. A third of the angels were lost because of this thing called pride. Listen to what Proverbs 8.13 says. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance. God hates pride and arrogance. Pride's the root. Arrogance is the way it manifests itself corruption and perverse speech. So think about how strong this language is. I want you to take a moment. Think about something that you hate. Is there something you hate? And I know all of us as Christians, we try not to hate things, but I want to talk about something I hate just to help you feel the emotion that God's feeling. I hate incompetent drivers on the highway. <laughs> I struggle with it. And I had a problem on vacation. I wasn't in town. And when I'm not in town, I sometimes don't act the same and uh, so so I had a problem Gina and I were driving on a highway she fell asleep we're going 65 it is a 65 highway two lanes and there's a guy in the right lane who's probably going 63 I'm going 68 and I'm a couple hundred yards away and I see I'm going to catch him so I go over to the left lane because the left lane's for passing right we never stay in the left lane we only pass in the left lane so, so I, I, I'm, I'm coming up, and there's a car right next to the car that I want to pass, and it's synchronized with that car, and I'm thinking, well, uh, they'll pass in a minute. And a couple minutes pass, and they don't, they don't pass. And I realize there's, they're doing synchronized driving on the highway, <laughs> just, which angers me. So I'm not one to ride someone's bumper, because that could cause an accident. So I, I didn't do that. I'm, I don't know how many feet, 50, 60 feet behind, but I'm doing my, my brights. Like, let, let them know. 
either get behind, go ahead. Gina's sleeping, and now I'm becoming angry. It took 10 minutes for me to get out of that, but here's how I got out. The guy on the right got off on an exit. So I thought, surely they're going to move over. They didn't move over. So then I have to pass in the right lane, and I got right even with them, and I thought, let me sink with them for a minute. <laughs> and I was going to talk to them in sign language, but I only know cuss words in sign language, so I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I looked, and when they looked at me, I went, like that. Thankfully, Gina was sleeping. And uh, so then I passed, and I'm going down the highway because I, I hate incompetent drivers. And I come up on another guy on the right going too slow, so I get over, and I said, I'll pass him because he's allowed, you know, as long as he's in the right lane, that's cool. So I go to pass him, and then I notice that car behind me is coming up fast, and I think, oh, they think I'll get the ticket, they won't, that kind of thing. So, so I sync up, and I see them wanting to pass, and I thought, you know, God said you reap what you sow. I've got to give them their harvest. So I stayed there 11 minutes, and they were so mad behind me, and Gina's sleeping through it all. And then I went off ahead, and I told Gina later, she goes, what's wrong with you? I said, I'll repent tonight to God. What about that lady? I, I don't know. I'll probably never see her again, but maybe she'll drive better. And, and uh, so then, so then, we're in Chicago, we're having a similar problem, and I'm in a 25 in a downtown Geneva on the lake, and, and uh, it's 25, and this guy's riding my tail now, and I'm trying to, you know, be cautious with pedestrians in this area with all kind of pedestrians near a lake, and I'm complaining, I'm telling Gina, we're in the open Jeep now, I'm going, I can't believe this guy, this and that, I'm just going crazy, complaining, and, 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 and she just looks at me, and she says, honey, you're, you're making my my stomach's sick. Because she gave me a stomach ache. And I said, honey, don't worry about it at all. I said, I'm just doing this for shock value, just having some fun. So then she says, well, why don't you shock me and be positive? <laughs> that's my life, okay? So, now think about something you hate. Aren't you glad that God isn't me? Because if I was God, I would have lightning bolted that car, you know. <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't destroy us when we do something he hates? But I just want you to see, God hates pride. He hates it. I want you to feel the emotion. And why does he hate it? Because it destroyed one of his, his most beautiful creation ever. And he sees it destroying our lives. Listen to what the Bible says. Um, it talks about pride destroying. And it says this in Proverbs 11:2: Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. It says this in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. And again, pride shows itself in so many different ways. When I was a young minister, I had an attitude. My attitude was this. If somebody wasn't part of our Christian camp, because we all get into our camps, right? If someone isn't, wasn't part of my Christian camp, I couldn't receive anything from them. I just had this haughty attitude. Like, well, if they don't believe what I believe, there's nothing they can give me. There's nothing they can speak into my life. And I carry that for years. And I remember one day God just began to open my eyes up and say, Joe, you're so haughty and proud. You don't know everything in the Bible. And there's some guys out there and some ladies out there that can speak into your life and show you some things that you don't understand. And I remember when I, I dealt with that haughtiness and I said, all right, God, 
I know what I know. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to live in what I believe and don't know. But I'm going to begin to listen to other men and women of God that are in different camps. And do you know that revolutionized my life? And do you know that I was walking over many cliffs when it comes to pastoring that I'm no longer walking over? But pride had me so blinded. So I just want you to think about this thing called pride. Uh, pride is an awful thing that can destroy. So uh, let me show you the solution, and then I want to open it up a little bit further. And, and, and the Bible says this in James 4, 6, and, and God gives grace generously. As the Scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Here's how we starve pride in our life. It's right here in verse 6. It says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we have to humble ourselves. And then it says this, so humble yourselves before God. Now, God's writing to a group of Christians, verses 1 through 5, who, who were not humbling themselves before God. What does it mean to humble yourself before God? Remember what Satan did that was destroyed his life? He said, I'm going to be on the throne, not you. We humble ourselves before God by saying, God, I realize I don't know everything, and I realize you are the creator, and I put you on the throne of my life, and I lay my life and my heart down, and I call you Lord. Now, guys, that's really hard for us because God's created us to lead, right? So it comes a little harder for us. And, and because I'm a hard head, it came really hard for me. But, but guys, my life changes in m miraculous ways when, when I say, God, you're in complete control. That's how I deal, and that's how you deal with the root of pride. So we read scriptures, and we say, all right, God, I really don't like those instructions. I would do it differently, but um, okay, I'll begin to live life the way you're asking me to live life. All right, God, you don't want me to live this way? All right, and you just humble you. God, you want me to lay my life down for people? Are you sure, God? Yeah. Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself and put people first because one of the ways we humble ourselves and walk in humility with people is when we put people before ourselves. That changes everything when we do it. But that's tough to do. That's tough to do. Now, God's not telling us not to try to win. I still try to win at everything I do, but my reason is totally different. I just want to be the best I can for God. When I started the church, the thing that motivated me in the early days of pastoring was my pride. And it wasn't like I was a bad person but I had to be the best at what I did. I couldn't, I couldn't be second place. I couldn't live with myself if I was second place. That's a pride attitude. And so everything I did, which was good, was based out of that. And then God opened my eyes up down the road and he showed me. He said, Joe, you're not doing this to have the biggest church. You're not doing this to be number one. You're doing this for the people and to meet the needs of the people. Now, I was doing that, but I wasn't doing it for that reason it was happening and I'll never forget how ministry changed when I came to the place to where I realized the most important thing in all the universe is people and I live to bow my life and serve people and God still blesses you when you do that but it's different did you notice that he said if you humble yourself that he will pour grace out on you 
Grace is just God's blessings, his ability. It's the most magnificent thing in the world. So we put people first and we say, God, I totally surrender the reins of my life to you. That's an ongoing thing. I'm doing it constantly. And did you notice, even though I'm doing that, I'm not perfect. For instance, my driving story, right? I'm just not a perfect person. I'm trying. I did repent to God for that. Um, let me show you. The verses go down, James 4.13. The same, same chapter. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Verse 15, 16. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Now, for years, verses 15 and 16, I never touched them. I never taught them. I stayed far away from them. Because when I first read these two verses, I thought God was saying... I should make a negative confession and say, I could die at any moment, or, you know, uh, I, I can't prosper, I can't do good. But then over the years, I would read it, and it begins to come to light. And I would say, God, I don't understand it. Open up my eyes to it. And then I eventually saw it, and here's what God's saying. Here's what God's upset about. They're living their life, and guys in business, you need a five-year plan. You need a 10-year plan. God's not against any of that. You need to say, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. That's what we're doing with the Boardman campus. That's, that's okay. We need to do that. But they're doing it without submitting it to God. And their hearts are, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. And God's just saying, hey, wait a minute. You can't even control your life. You don't even know when you're going to die. Submit your heart to me and say, God, here's my plans. Here's what I want to do. If, if there's something different you want to show me, show me. But Lord, I'm doing this for you, for your glory. You're the Lord of my life. So he's not telling you not to make plans. Here's what he's saying. Submit your heart to God. And that's why he gives that example. Down at the end. And it's amazing what God can do. When I walk synchronized with God in this way, God's always showing you problems that are about to come. He always helps you miss these terrible cliffs that you could have walked over not that we won't have some failures but it's amazing how god protects us and that's his grace rising up so every one of you in here right now that you're listening um some of you don't have a pride problem at the level i do i say this for different things and and, and you can ask my wife she'll she'll say amen to it there is no one in this room this that has a that's had to deal with pride it, any higher than I have. I, genetically, I was born with a pride problem, okay? Um, and so if I can overcome it and I can starve it, everyone in this room can. And that's, that's the good news. We were in the lobby last night, and man, men were so excited last night in the lobby. They're like, thank you for saying what you said, because uh, I don't look so bad now to my wife, you know? I said, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Um, take a look at this, Proverbs 22, 4. True humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. That's the grace of God, riches, honor, and a long life. Riches doesn't mean you'll be a billionaire, but it means God will bless your finances. And for each of us, that's at a different level, depending on our calling, our ability. And, and then honor is when you have a good name amongst the community you live in, the people you're with. And then, of course, we all know what a long life is. But notice how it comes. This is how we starve pride. And this is how we allow humility to be our best friend. Can you see why humility is your best friend? 
I, I mean, humility brings riches, honor, and long life. That's, that's, that's the, your best friend, riches, honor, and a great life. So pride is your greatest enemy. Humility uh, is your best friend, your greatest friend. But notice what it says, true humility and the fear of the Lord. They're connected. The fear of the Lord's real simple. It's not you and I being afraid of him like he's this mean, terrible person that we never know when he's going to slap us in the face. The fear of the Lord is when we realize, God, you made me. I'm your creation. Someday I'll stand before you and answer for how I live my life. That's the fear of the Lord. I'm living this life knowing I have to answer for how I lived it. And true humility is just you and I bowing our hearts and saying, God, you're in control, and I'm laying my life down for people. And God says, boy, when you and I do that, blessings are going to begin to flood our life. Now listen, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Years ago, a pastor had a situation, and uh, he had to release one of his top leaders. And that leader called me and was really upset. This is a pastor out of town. He was really upset. He said, he, he released me in this way, and he, he said this to me on the way out, and he did this. And, and I said, I said, ho, 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 hold down. And he said this. He said, that, that church is going to fall. That pastor is going to crash. And I said, I said, listen, listen, I don't know the details, but I'll call the pastor and I'll talk to him. I said, but I, I, I know he probably could have done it better. If everything you're saying is true, he probably could have done it a little better. But you don't know his heart. And you don't, know, you don't know his motives, and you can't judge him just because he let you go maybe in a way you felt he shouldn't. So then I called the pastor, and I had the whole story. And the pastor did. His personality was a little gruff, and he did let him go a little toughly, but his heart was so pure, and his heart was so good. And I called this other guy back, the leader, and I said, you know what, his heart's right, I said, and I think in time he'll, he, you know, maybe the two of you can get back together and make amends. But I said, his heart's good. And he told me, no, his church is going to fall. His church, And, and I said, no, I, I don't think so. I think his heart's really good. He didn't do anything terrible. He just was being himself. And, and God will grow him and he'll grow you. Do you know that now, years later, that that church is four times the size it was when he let go of that leader? And that leader's never been back in ministry. And here's why I say that. Sometimes we make mistakes but if our heart is humble before the Lord and we keep humbling ourselves, he'll keep blessing us and he'll keep blessing you. So this isn't about being perfect. This is about being teachable. This isn't about you and I uh, never missing the mark. This is about you and I saying to God, all right, I missed the mark. I'm going to go back at that mark later. This is about us saying to God, you own me and I'm yours. And I'll tell you what, that's a big deal in my life. And and that's something I strive for. I haven't perfected it. But here's what I learned. It starves pride in my life when I say, God, you're the boss. God, I don't know everything. God, you do know everything. It's the most amazing thing ever. And God can begin to grow us. I trust I, I, trust I made some sense today, guys. We want to have a time of prayer. This is a good time for prayer. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, I did my best. I did my best to open up this part of the Bible. And Lord, we thank you for James 4. Boy, that helps us. And Lord, all of us are constantly making adjustments in our hearts, our attitudes, because you're growing us. And Lord, I know the Holy Spirit, when I teach, he speaks to hearts. He's so cool.
And Lord, this is a moment we may not have as we enter into our busy day and our busy week, so we take a moment before you. Lord, if, if while I taught, you showed people some areas they need to submit to you or they, they need to become full of humility in, I know that's happening right now. And Lord, thank you. And, and all of you can just that need this, you can take a time to pray. But Father, for all of us, if there's an area of pride in our life that we're blind to, as we walk through this week, show us, Lord, as we say some things or do some things that are prideful or arrogant, Lord, show us those things. Lord, bring us to a place to where we're people of humility. Bring us to a place, Lord, to where even though we're holding many reins and we're in control of businesses and we're in control of people and we're in control of families and we're in control of this and that, Lord, teach us to be leaders that are full of humility. Lord, thank you that we can want to win, but win for the right reason. And I thank you, Lord, for the precious Holy Spirit who's going to continue to minister life to us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians, just stay in an attitude of prayer. If you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my eternity. That's why Jesus died. He died so you can live. It's an amazing story. We saw the story of Satan. We saw how he fell. And then, of course, we know how he deceived Adam and Eve or mankind, and, and they sinned. And Jesus came to fix that. That's why he died on the cross. He gave us life so we can live. He was the most humble person that ever lived. He was God in flesh, and he humbled himself and died an awful death so he could take our place and redeem us. And he came out of the grave as we sang in song four today. He came up out of that grave. God snatched him from the grave. Jesus is alive. And he said this, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. So I want to take a moment and give an invitation for prayer. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church or a religion. I'm not asking you uh, if you grew up a Christian, if you grew up in a Christian church or you grew up religious. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a moment in your life when from your mouth, through your heart, you said, Jesus, I realize you're the Savior. I make a decision to accept you and follow you today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that moment, but I'm ready today. I want to accept the Savior. I want my life to be redeemed. I want him to change me from the inside out. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, that's me, I'd like you to pray with me right now. Everyone else in the room, would you help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You were raised from the grave. And this day, I receive you as my Savior. You ready for this? Listen, listen. And I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.